Hello there, friends, and welcome on into a victory edition of the Sco Show. Schofield back in the big chair. It's late at night here on Thursday, October 10th, 2019. The New England Patriots, well, they won a game tonight, taking care of the New York Giants by a final score of 35-14. And this was, this was a weird one. The offense never seemed right tonight. I think you have to thank whomever or whatever you believe in for the defense and the special teams. And they got out of a Thursday night game with a victory. And I think in the end, that's probably the only thing to really focus on more than anything else. I know it's easy right now on a night when the offense didn't seem to click, when guys get banged up on both sides of the football, to wonder about what might be wrong with this team. But I think if you were to sort of ask Bill Belichick, and I think he sort of gave it away when you saw him on the sidelines after this game. You get the short week, the Thursday nighter. Nobody likes playing in these games. Players hate them. I think coaches hate them. It's a short week. You can't really prep. I think you're just happy to get out of there with a W. And so that's how I'm approaching this this podcast. I, I thought about coming in here and sort of letting it fly. But then I get distracted by a tweet, which we're going to get into in a second because now I'm feeling a little bit feisty. But I sort of thought about coming in here and letting it fly. But then I just sort of calmed myself down and realized, look, this team is now 6-0. and That's You couldn't ask for more. When push comes to shove, this team is 6-0. and Are there problems? Yeah. Are there things that need to work out? Sure. We'll get to that. But the bottom line is you're 6-0. and You can't be 6-0 and if you don't win the first six games, especially a, a short week on a Thursday night. So, where do we begin? Where do we usually begin? With the cavalcade of reminders. Please do follow along on the old Twitter machine at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, Pro Football Weekly, and yes, that trio of SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and yes, right here at Pat's Pulpit. And... We're still going to do our great, our good, and our bad. I'm not totally downgrading this. I know it's not a glorious victory edition. We're just calling it a victory edition because they got the W. And I think when we're going to talk about the great things we saw tonight, you have to start with the defense, period. And that's where we're going to focus most of our time. And I sort of wanted to start here. And John Limarakis mentioned this in the Scotia Slack channel, which, by the way, fantastic job. Hats off to everybody. Like, give yourselves a... A round of applause for the effort tonight. I was really impressed with the takes that were flying. But he mentioned something that I talked a ton about at the end of last year when I was doing Locked On Patriots. Pressure equals production. Close your eyes. I'm going to ask you a question, dear listener. How many times do you think Daniel Jones was sacked tonight? Once. For zero yards lost. That's it. That's, that's it. And if you now start to think back through this game, they pressured Daniel Jones so much, but they only got to him once. But this was one of those prime pressure equals production games. Because if you look at a lot of the missed throws, missed opportunities, certainly some of the interceptions, pressure was a huge reason for that. You look at, you know, the first interception. 
It's he's he's pressured. Late throw, kind of high because he might be influenced by the pressure. Gets deflected and picked. You look and they also almost had a pick on it was the Giants' third drive of the game. Gilmore jumps a slant route. Could have had a pick there. You get the pick by Deron Harmon. You get pressure late. Jones takes a while. Danny Shelton gets pressure late, hits the arm, and get the interception. They pressured Daniel Jones a ton tonight, and that was a reason why he was flustered. That was a reason why he made mistakes. Look, other than the big throw, that offense didn't do much. And it started with the ability of this defense up front to get pressure. I was surprised, in a sense, that they blitzed Daniel Jones as much as they did. Mostly because, look, I I thought that blitzing him played to his strengths as a quarterback. And so it enabled him to make some quicker reads and get the ball out quickly. So I was surprised that they blitzed him as much as they did. But I feel like they thought this was a game where pressure would equal production, where they wanted to sort of get after him. They wanted to speed up his clock. They wanted to frustrate him, fluster him a bit, make him make some bad decisions. You know where it really sort of clicked? The Gilmore interception when he misread a coverage, Jones did. That was due to him starting to speed up that internal clock thinking, oh, they're going to be getting after me, so i got to speed things up. i got to be faster with my reads here. i got to get the ball out quickly. And he misreads. It's a simple cover two look, and he just doesn't read it. He thinks he's got single high and doesn't see Gilmore underneath. And so the defense, again, was fantastic. And I I know that you might say, look, it's the Giants. They were banned up. It's a short week. It's a rookie quarterback. They're without guys. Your play was on the schedule. You know, and this was the task in front of them. And they did a fantastic job. They gave up one big play, and it was a touchdown. The first passing touchdown they've given up this year. Daniel Jones, that's going to be a trivia question someday, perhaps. And that was it. So just another tremendous job by this defense. I want to talk about Stephon Gilmore for a moment. Because as I'm sure many or perhaps all of you were doing when you were following along with the game, you're, you know, you're, you're sort of checking out Twitter because that's what I'm doing. And you might have seen Charles McDonald, who now writes for New York Daily News. He's a, a fantastic sports writer, fantastic football mind. And he was basically saying, look, Stephon Gilmore is the best cornerback in the game right now. And I, I think you have to agree with that. He handles it all well. Play, plays zone well. The interception that he had that we were just talking about. This is a zone coverage play. Press man, off man. He can do it all. His hands at the catch point. The first interception, it's because he got his hands in there. We're going to talk about some more of his plays when we get into the next segment, we talk about just the good and we run through some of the individual stuff, but his hands at the catch point are fantastic. And on that late throw, the vertical route to Slayton up the right sideline, if you were like me, you had Tyree flashbacks because it's a high throw over his head. Slayton goes up to get it. It almost looks like he's trying to pin it. I legitimately had David Tyree flashbacks, but what does Gilmore do? 
rakes up through the pocket, rips the ball away, and it's just an incompletion. And of course, you do wonder about what might have been. But now we can wonder about what still can be with this defense. And so, just an incredible defensive performance. Another good special teams performance. You get a pump block touchdown. Brandon Bolden, we're going to be talking about him a little bit later, but... You know, he just basically drives the personal protector, you know, back into the lap of the puncher. The punt basically is a doink shot off the personal protector's shoulder pads. Chase Winovich, David Archibald pointed this out in the uh, Scotia Slack channel. If you placed a bet that Chase Winovich would be the first Patriots rookie to score a touchdown this year, congratulations, you're cashing in. Didn't see that one coming, but congratulations to you. It's a fantastic job about the defense. I, I did want to mention one thing in the great section about the offense. Not a lot to really say, yeah, Tom Brady, a couple of rushing touchdowns. Okay, that's kind of great. But Jacoby Myers, I think, I don't want to write it in stone, but I feel pretty strongly, maybe with a raceable pen or something, that we can write down October 10th, 2019, this was the night that Jacoby Myers earned his spot in the Brady Circle of Trust. The two catches he had, obviously on that wheel route, the up and route, or on the left sideline before halftime. Look, I mean, that was just a tremendous catch. Just a tremendous catch by him. Back shoulder type throw. I guess that was actually mid-second quarter. It was on New England's sixth drive of the game. Just a tremendous adjustment. Brady trusted him, goes back shoulder in that spot, sees that he was pretty much capped over the top. That was a huge catch. And then the one I was actually thinking about in terms of the time of the game it happened, their touchdown drive before half. He goes up, climbs the letter on the deep crosser route, gets it. And in contrast to Slayton, what we were just talking about, and Aikman pointed this out during the broadcast, he goes up, he gets it, pulls the hands up and away, extends them. Such strong hands making that catch. Just two moments, just two plays where you can see Brady think, I trust this kid to make a play. You know, back shoulder throw in a wheel route, tight coverage situation. He puts the ball with the guy, go gets it. So Jacoby Myers, put it maybe, forget it. We'll go Sharpie on it. We'll go Sharpie. Tonight's the night. Jacoby Myers in the Brady Circle of Trust. So that's the great stuff I saw. Up next, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, the game balls, and the take of the game. That's all ahead on this victory installment of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on this victory installment of the Sco Show. And uh, let's we're going to run through some of the individual plays I wanted to highlight here in a moment. But in this good section, I did want to take a minute and sort of talk about the offense because as we sort of alluded to at the outset, it wasn't quite clicking tonight. Now, part of that, look, guys were banged up, short week. Conditions weren't ideal. As an admittedly poor quarterback, I can tell you that wind more than anything else makes the passing game difficult. Because you just don't know where the ball is going. And when you're out on a night like tonight with these two teams faced, when you've got wind gusts, you're going to miss some throws. 
You know, you look at the interception Brady threw, and we'll talk about it a little bit more a little bit later, but Wynn might have played a, played a role in that. And, and so the passing game being a little bit off, I think part of it you attribute to the conditions. Obviously, there are some schematic things that we can highlight that I disagree with from a design standpoint. There was a failure at times of execution. Guys were getting beat. And you also, look, let's face it. Lacoste goes down early. And if you came into this game plan thinking you were going to run a ton of, say, 12 personnel, or you were going to run a lot of you know, Matt Lacoste packages, he goes out. Jakob Johnson goes out. So now you're basically hemmed into running 11 personnel. And then Gordon goes down. Now you're running 11 personnel with Edelman, Jacoby Myers, and Gunner. I mean, you're going to be forced to run some basic stuff. And if you look in one of their drives in the second half, they ran basically the same two plays, like three, four times in a row. And so that's going to hurt production as well. That's going to hurt execution as well. And so... I know there's a feeling right now, and I could sense it in the Slack channel, that people want to sort of start to really worry about this offense. But I'm writing it off on short week, guys banged up, limited playbook to begin with because you don't have a ton of install time. And now you're basically, if you had any 12 personnel stuff in the script, that's gone. If you had your 21 personnel stuff with Jakob, that's gone. And if you had Gordon-specific stuff, that's gone. So basically, you're just running a handful of plays. And so I'm trying not to sort of overreact at the offense. You know, as far as Brady, look. Let's talk about Nick Wright for a second, okay? Because late in the game, he put out a tweet. Basically said this. The three teams with the best defenses in football right now, Patriots, Bears, and Bills. All have one thing in common, but we only dare discuss it for the Bears and the Bills, i.e. Tom Brady's a problem. And I usually don't jump on to things like that, but this one got me. So I just wanted to highlight the fact that coming into this game, Tom Brady was ranked 7th in the league with an adjusted net yards per attempt of 7.56. The two quarterbacks that Nick's trying to compare him to, Josh Allen, 31st in the league. Mitchell Trubisky, 32nd in the league. And in case you're wondering what those numbers are, well... Their A and Ys, respectively, Josh Allen is 4.72. Mitchell's 4.52. The only qualifying quarterbacks that they've beaten in that category this year are Josh Rosen and Luke Falk. Meaning, Eli Manning, who watched this game from the sidelines, has a better A and Y than both of those players. And remember, Tom Brady is 7th. Behind Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford. I mean, okay. And as far as QBR, and again, not that stats are the be-all and end-all, but coming into this game, Tom Brady was ninth in QBR with a 61.6 QBR. 
Josh Allen was 27th with 34.7. Mitchell Trubisky, 28th, 31.3. And so that take got to me a little bit. So I had to defend my boy. Some good stuff that I do want to highlight. Sony Michelle on the New England open and drive. Little catch in the flat. Makes the linebacker miss for a gain of 19. Love the little change of direction there. Also on that drive, I love the smoke route. It looked to be a side adjustment. This is sometimes when you see an uncapped or uncovered defender side adjust to Josh Gordon. Love that play. Gain of seven. We talked about the initial pressure that forced an incompletion on the open and drive. We talked about the interception, talked about the near pick. Um, New England's fourth drive, that 39 conversion when Brady had all day to throw. Ryan Izzo with a fantastic job to sort of find some space in the grass. Great vision by Brady to find him late. Great job by Izzo to find himself open. Giants' fourth drive of the game. This was a nice sort of three and out. First and 10. This was the only sack of the game. They go play action boot. Great athleticism off the edge by Kyle Van Noy to drag down Jones for no gain. Technically a sack. Second and 10, they go toss. Defense strings it out extremely well. Then on 39, they try the running back screen, and Hightower sniffs it out. Incredible awareness to do that. And then you get the pump block. You know, so so huge plays there. Next Giants possession. Now we're into the second quarter on a third and five. The adjustment by Jonathan Jones to break up this throw on a slot fade. He got beaten later on a slot fade, but first time he faced it, Fantastic, fantastic job to break that up. The Harmon interception, again, we mentioned that. The Myers adjustment, we mentioned that. Patriots, their touchdown drive before halftime. You had the option route to White on a third and six. Again, great change of direction for James White to get the first down. We mentioned the Myers catch. Then you had the little fly sweep to James White. Looked to be a touchdown. Ruled by a touchdown. Great block by Cannon. They come back. Then the Brady sneak touchdown. Shaq Mason, Ted Karras. Just blast Tomlinson off the line. Now, fantastic job there. Into the second half, some of the stuff I liked. Um, the first, the Patriots' first drive of the second half took forever. I mean, they really ran a ton of clock. Now, of course, they didn't come away with any points. Field goal is no good, but they started it with Izzoet up back, actually, almost taking Jakob Johnson's spot. He had a great lead block on a Michelle gain of nine, which was really impressive. They had a second and eight, running back screen to James White. I liked the play call there. That was impressive. Great catch and run by James White. And then, look, they don't come away with points, which kind of stinks. The drive ended poorly. We'll get to that in a second. Giants' next possession, 10th possession of the game. Second and eight, you get pressure from Dietrich Wise. Great power move with the upper body. Just beasted the right guard. Gets pressure there. Then on third and eight, it's a throw to Slayton. Great hands at the catch point by Gilmore. I believe that's the play we were just talking about, that sort of Tyree, David Tyree flashback. Look, Gunner getting into the magic. On a second and eight, great job. Sort of finding a soft spot in the zone on the end cut. Really like that. Good to see him get into the mix. Uh, the, the Van Noy recovery and the touchdown. Again, you blitz him, ball gets out. Collins with the hit. KVN with the recovery. 
Run back to the two. Fantastic scoop and score type of play. Edelman's catch on the vertical route late, which came like literally minutes after the Nick Wright tweet. That was great to see. And look, you get a nice run at the end, um, run to the left edge with a great vision and cut back by Sonny Michelle. It was good to see him sort of use the vision, use the cutback there. I'd like to see him try to cut back more. I think his burst is good. Maybe the speed hasn't completely translated from Georgia, but the burst is good, and I think he could exploit cutback lanes better. Some bad stuff. Look, there was some ugly tonight. We're not going to hide it. Always going to learn. The first sack on New England's second drive, Newhouse just gets beaten to the inside. You know, he's he's struggled at times, but, you know, you hope to fix it. The interception was just awful. I don't know if it was a miscommunication between him and Brady. I don't know if it was wind. I don't know if it was just a bad throw. I don't know if it was all of the above. Frankly, it might have been all of the above. But it was just bad. I mean, I, I liked the play call. You get the quick turnover. You like to go aggressive, go downfield early. But it was just poorly executed and might have just been an all-of-the-above bad situation. But you'd like to see better execution there. Uh, Jonathan Jones getting beaten on the slot fade. He recovered well, got his hands in there. He just got beat off the line a little bit, off the release. He recovered well, got his hands in there. He's a quick, fast player, ran with tape pretty well, but he got beat. It happens. Look, we're in week six, giving up your first passing touchdown of the season. I know they haven't played the best competition, but still, that's pretty good. But then, look, your next possession, you get a big gain on a crosser to Edelman, which I wrote about over at Big Blue View this week. I said, look, you're going to try to stop crossers. They ran up a ton this tonight. They always do. Now, I, I next two plays were bad. They ran that sort of bubble screen to Edelman. Jacoby Myers misses the block. Edelman gets chopped down for a loss of two. Like, that was tough. But then the very next play, I hate leaving tight ends one-on-one against defensive ends and pass protection. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And that's what they did. They left Ryan Izzo on an island against Carter, Lorenzo Carter, who Izzo probably thought the ball was going to be out. It didn't come out. Can't always get it out in under two seconds. Brady's waiting for a route to come open. Doesn't feel the blindside pressure coming. Strip sack, touchdown, and Gordon gets hurt. Like, that was one of those, I was having flashbacks to the Chicago game last year where it's like, well, this is a horrible turn of events. You know, suddenly 14-0 becomes 14-14 in the blink of an eye. And if you thought about this game going in, If you thought about this game going in, what's the sort of recipe for the Giants to steal this one? Some big plays, some turnovers. Well, there you go. You get them back to back. So it's kind of a tough turn of events there. Some other stuff. Look, we got to mention the bad section. That play call, the third and five running the fly sweep in the third quarter. You ran it once. You're not going to get away with it again, especially so quickly. I mean, you ran it right before halftime. Coming back to that, I did not like that play call. And I usually don't rip play calling from Josh McDaniels because I think 95% of what he does is good to great to almost brilliant. But this one, when you bring him out and you come, you motion him back in, everybody knew it was coming. So I didn't like that. And then look, you get the doink shot on the P- on the field goal trial on the very next play after you've just lost a yardage. You get a doink shot. Every little yard counts. And that ball, that kick's curving to the left. 
if you don't lose yardage on the previous play, maybe it's good. And Bailey, look, laces weren't exactly out. So, yeah. So, that was a bad sequence. Next Patriots possession, they go play action and they pull the guard to the edge to block the defensive end. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. When it works, it looks great. When it doesn't, it looks bad and I hate it. And this play, look, it didn't work. Tooney got beaten because he kind of overruns him. The defensive end does, but he's able to lend loop to the inside as Brady's climbing the pocket and get to the sack. That's when it doesn't work. And then on third and three, you go toss. I didn't like that play call either. That was kind of ugly. So that, that, that was some of the ugly stuff. Or the bad stuff. The ugly, whatever you want to call it. Look, it wasn't the good stuff. Let's get to some game balls in the take of the game. Game balls, I think, I, I say this, it seems like every week, but everybody on the defensive side of the ball is probably where they have a game ball. But we'll particularly mention Stephon Gilmore. On the offensive side of the ball, I'm going to give one to Jacoby Myers, earning himself into the uh, circle of trust there. I'm going to give one to Brandon Bolden. And it's not like Bolden had, you know, a fantastic game. You know, three carries for 23 yards and a touchdown. He had two catches for 22 yards on two targets. But I think more than anything else, he gave that running game, he gave that offensive backfield some stability when White wasn't in the game or Michelle wasn't in the game. He seems to be growing into a solid role for this team. And so I'm going to give Brandon Bolden a game ball. I think that's pretty much it as far as game balls. Take of the game. It goes to somebody will we'll just go by what her screen name is. It's Carrie in the Scotia Slack channel. I know who Carrie is in real life. I'm going to protect their anonymity. But on the KVN touchdown, she gave a shout out to inside the pylon. She just dropped the take inside the pylon, obviously a reference to ITP. Fantastic website, which you could check out. I thought that was a fantastic take. So I had to mention that. Shout out to Carrie. So that will do it for tonight. Next time you will hear from me is on Saturday with Radio Rewind, recapping everything we're going to do this week here over at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. Until next time, friends, please do keep on blessing that Patriots ring down in Foxwood.